Hey, it's Samir. I just wanted to do a quick intro before we start the show. We have started a Colin and Samir podcast YouTube channel, a video version of this podcast. We're still working on the process and figuring out how exactly it will roll out between video and audio, uh, but the goal is to be more consistent with this podcast in both audio and video form. We're experimenting right now across the platforms and having a lot of fun with it. So if you haven't already, make sure to go check out the video version of this podcast and the podcast channel. Just type in Colin and Samir podcast into YouTube. I also put the link in the description for this podcast. The podcast you're about to listen to is already up on the channel, so if you want to watch it, you can head over there uh, to watch it. You can give it a like, a comment, and subscribe. Today's episode is all about education, and if college is still worth it in a COVID era. We talk about what type of students we were in college, our college experiences, and we make some suggestions for what the future of education could look like, especially now that we are educators ourselves with our online storytelling course. All right, we hope you enjoy this episode on the future of education. All right, so today we are talking about college and if college is worth it in 2020 with everything that has happened to college. I've seen some crazy stuff online about college. Like, first and foremost, I think just learning about people who are moving into college, like at UNC Chapel Hill, and then 10 days later, fully moving out of college because there's too many COVID cases. Like, it's it's almost the way that I remember college and the what college was for me, it sounds nearly impossible to try and attempt it in this climate. Totally. And if you are trying to attempt to recreate what college was when we were in college over 10 years ago, which is crazy, it's a nightmare from a COVID perspective, like from a health perspective. I've seen videos out there of like massive parties at frat houses and things like that. And then of course the news like two weeks later is, oh, there's COVID clusters. They have to shut down the campus. Everyone go back home. We're going to go remote. Yeah. And then you start to look at what does college look like if it is remote and it's like, all right, it's over Zoom and the professor is in their home and they're trying to engage us <laughs> through classes. What if you have four classes in a day? You're on Zoom for like six hours. It sounds, it sounds miserable. Let alone you're either living at home, which comes with an entire horde of problems as well, just from a distraction standpoint, or maybe you're living you know, in the university town with some friends, but that also comes with tons of distractions. They're on Zoom classes as well, they're either not taking a Zoom class at the same time that you are and they're playing video games and you'd rather play video games. It, also, the thing that's interesting, I have cousins who are in high school right now and I was talking to them about Zoom class and they were like, oh yeah, I mean, we have our iMessage up while we're in Zoom class. We're, you know, on Facebook or not Facebook. <laughs> we're on Twitter or we're on like some other app at the same time. They have House Party up on another app that's like on their phone so they can connect in that way. So it's like, how do you, you can't control what the students are doing. And as a student, like, of course, you're going to be on other platforms, just like talking to your friends and hanging out. So it's way harder. Of course, to you're going to have other tabs open. If I'm on Zoom, I'm, I got all kinds of tabs open. Yeah. So it's way harder to learn. The experience of college has been totally taken away, but the price of college has remained the same. Harvard is still $58,000 a year or something like that. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is it kind of exposes like, what are you paying for? What are you paying for? Of course, 
there's the brand. The brand recognition is number one, especially if you're going to one of these top tier universities. If you go to Harvard, you come out with a Harvard degree, the brand recognition is through the roof. You probably get a much better job. You know, it's like the way that we've all accepted the college system and what these degrees mean is like, okay, brand recognition is huge. But the brand recognition of a college degree is also huge. Agnostic of the university. Like to say that someone either has a college degree or doesn't, it says a lot about you in our society currently. So I think that's number one is like that brand has been so strong for so long. Um, so you're essentially paying for the acceptance into the workplace and acceptance in society as a person who did the thing that everyone's supposed to do. Um, then you, you go a step further and it's like, you're also paying for the campus experience, like being on campus, the facilities they have, the library, the like resources, the labs, whatever else they have. It's a well-rounded experience to make well-rounded people. Right. Right. Like that's, that's the marketing of it. But the classes I think is what gets into question. The classes and the professors, because now you've stripped everything away outside of the brand name of the university and then the professor, it all relies now on the professor's ability to teach and make valuable lessons. Like, and if, when I think back to my college experience, there's only a handful of professors I really remember and even classes that I remember. Like everything is so wrapped up in the broader experience of college for me that I can barely connect to that. And if you stripped it all away and you just said, actually what you're gonna get now is this professor video conferencing into your living room, that's what college is now. Same price. I would be like, what? That is not what college was for me. Like college was so much more than that. Yeah, and that's why a lot of students now more than ever are questioning whether they should continue to pay for this experience. 20% of Harvard's incoming freshman class deferred. I think that's pretty significant, 20%. Considering it's Harvard, you're still getting that brand recognition or you're still getting that degree. And 20% of kids, granted a deferring just means you're away for a year, but still like that's a pretty significant amount of people who are deciding to not take Harvard up on their new version of Harvard. Yeah, I mean, even as an, you think about it as an incoming freshman, your first interaction with college is like on a Zoom call? Must be so weird. Oh man, like we had welcome week in college. Remember welcome week? Welcome week was the best. Welcome week was the best. You move in, if you don't know what welcome week is, welcome week is you move into college and you're in your dorm and you have a whole week with no class and just like fun activities. You have a few orientation things you need to do. You gotta get your books. It is a blast. You make a ton of friends in that week. I mean, some of the people I met in that week are still my friends now. Uh, and that is like, that was the coolest. And like you network, you get to, you know, meet people, you go to parties, you like, it's just like the social component of college, uh, is so dynamic. And I think the interesting thing is that college in the U S, um, like when I, my parents both did not go to college in the U S went to college in India. And to them, when they learned what college was in the U S they were like, wow, college in the U S is not really about learning. College in the US is like so experiential, especially if you're not going for a specific reason. Like I, when I went to college, first and foremost, I was not a good high school student. So like, you know, relatively, I wasn't a good high school student. Not like I was some, you know, I was still capable of getting into colleges, but I was, I didn't really care about school that much. I wasn't into grades. I wasn't into my classes. Uh, 
the only class I was into was film class in high school. And that, you know, eventually led me to becoming a film major. Uh, but all the other classes like science, English, like I just wasn't great. I wasn't great at it at all. I didn't, didn't have the attention span for it. I wasn't interested in it. And then when I went to college, you know, kind of the same, the general learning stuff, I was like, okay. Uh, and then once I got into specialized learning, once I got into my film major, then I actually became a good student because I was engaged and I was into it. Um, but like school, yeah, school, like that, the concept of school for me was, was just so different. Um, I just wasn't as engaged with it. So the broader experience of college is what I was excited about. It wasn't the, you know, coming out of high school, it wasn't the, I can't wait to progress as a, you know, even in my film career. That just is something I was like, that's the only thing I can actually get decent grades in and that I'm interested in, in this environment. So that's why I ended up going down that path. But outside of that, I mean, when I was evaluating colleges, it was like, what's the lifestyle like? That's what I evaluated. Same, 100%. I mean, I, I came at it from a slightly different angle in that I was a really serious high school student and took my grades too seriously, probably to a fault, uh, where it would stress me out. I'd be up all night and it, my grades were the end all be all of, you know, success in my mind. Um, but I did choose my college based on the lifestyle and the experience. And I'm happy I did because it, it did give me an opportunity to sort of reshape my identity and how I looked at education in general. I definitely came into college way too concerned with what it meant to succeed in a class and get an A. And again, concerned to a fault. And college was the beginning of, for me, of becoming a little bit more of a well-rounded person. Having uh, access to communities and groups and projects where I wasn't being graded. I wasn't concerned with the grade that came on the, on the end of it. And I think that was like, that was an important thing for me to get out of college. You want to know something interesting? I didn't visit my college until day one of college. UC Santa Cruz. You know how people visit colleges? That seems crazy to me. I mean, I will I, say I visited the state of Colorado once, and that was to visit the campus one time before going I, there. I made the decision based on the fact that on the brochure, there was kids having a bonfire on the beach, and it was something that I liked to do growing up here in LA. And I was like, that looks pretty fun. I made a lot of my decisions based off of Facebook groups in mm. high school, like University of Colorado Facebook groups, and yeah. seeing how fun the photos looked. And then when I visited campus, there was snow on the ground and I asked a student, where is everybody? And she was like, oh, everyone's skiing. Everyone's up at the mountain snowboarding. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the experience was so much more important to me than anything else. And so now I don't know where I would start when it comes to evaluating college. I don't know where I would start because again, for me, it was all about location, lifestyle, um, you know, what my life was going to be like, where I was going to live like that. That's all. That's what mattered. What type of students went there? Were you concerned with the type of career you'd be able to get? No, I was never concerned. And I was not either. And I think that speaks to the situations that we were both in, in, yeah. in that I was very lucky that my parents paid for school, mm -hmm. like your parents paid yeah. for your school, right? Like that, that's a huge privilege to not huge. have that weight. And that, that drastically changes what you're thinking about as you're looking at a college. Yeah. Also, the nice thing is going to an in-state UC 
in California is a lot more reasonable, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in state. So that was nice. Cause like, it, it, you know, yes, it was still college was still expensive, but it wasn't, it wasn't half as expensive as my friends who went to USC and like, you know, some of the private universities. So that was nice. I felt actually okay about that because I was like, you know what? I'm, I, I feel like, all right about this. Like I'm going here and I, I just always had, again, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and school was important, but like my dad is in the clothing business. He didn't go to school for that. And so I was always like, I'll figure something out. It doesn't like school doesn't directly connect to career the way that I was brought up. It was like a good experience and probably good networking. It was just whatever you made of the opportunity is how I always positioned it. It was like, uh, maybe I'll meet someone and start a business with them in school, but not like, you know, I didn't think that any of my classes would hold any bearing on what I did as a career, which actually I was kind of incorrect because I literally learned how to edit video like properly and tell good stories in college. And that is something that I use in my career regularly. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was an economics and Italian major. Right. And the second I got out, I bought a camera and I totally threw away the idea of ever doing anything with my econ major or my Italian major. And I wasn't concerned about that either. I didn't feel stressed Mm -hmm. because I didn't look at college as if it had to turn into a job. Right. I looked at it as an experience. So now the experience is totally different. The way I would evaluate this experience, and one of the things that I'm so intrigued by now that college is Zoom-based and is like remote, I'm intrigued by the collective house. Like I've heard a lot about this. I've done some reading on it. Of course, like creators are moving into houses together. But college students are also doing this where like if you went to school in Iowa, let's say if you went to the University of Iowa and all of your classes are on Zoom and you didn't have to be on campus there, you could in, you know, essentially you could pool together 12 of your friends and get a beach house in Santa Barbara and take classes in Iowa. And that's what's happening. There was a New York Times article about it. And there was a group of, I think, Harvard students who got a house in Hawaii. Right. (laughs) And, you know, technically there's still students of Harvard, but they're just living in Hawaii. Yeah, which is a lot cooler than, you know. A lot more interesting. Boston. So it's a lot more interesting. And it's, it's probably lifestyle-wise, again, then you get to evaluate lifestyle and be like, cool, I'm going to go live in Hawaii and surf and, uh, you know, enjoy this, like, vacation lifestyle and get a Harvard degree. So there's a whole sector of, of students that I feel like we're missing here. And those are the students who aren't going to Harvard right? Like they're not getting like that elite type of experience. Um, And who are also the group of students who are really concerned about the price of education. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is like the problem with college over the past four decades is that the price has raised way faster than the rate of inflation. And the job market has moved so much, but the curriculum and the experience at these schools has not changed. So that's where you're looking at tons of students who now have student debt and they also can't find a job that they would need to pay off that student debt. So for a lot of students, the promise of college is no longer guaranteed. Like the guarantee that you go to college, you get a degree, you'll get a good job and it'll set you up for a good life. For a lot of people, that is no longer there. Sure, if you go to Harvard, you'll probably be okay. Like you're in a good position. Yeah, but the crazy thing is now you also you also could be okay just not going to college. Like there's there's a lot of different opportunities on online and like y- again you could just pick out 
if you immediately, if the experience is out of the equation now, for me personally, if I'm looking at it and the experience is now out of the equation, it's like, you don't, you don't get that college experience anymore. You don't get to be with a bunch of kids your age. And to add to that, the specific brand of your school right. doesn't, doesn't really doesn't, matter to doesn't you. Doesn't matter. I mean, mine specifically didn't really matter, right? Like, I, I, to be honest, yeah. like it wasn't- Didn't wasn't, mean anything. Didn't to... mean in the job market, especially the market that I entered into, it wasn't like, oh, you went to UC Santa Cruz? Like, that wasn't, Same. it was just like- oh. University of Colorado Boulder? Like, you're accepted, you're in. Right, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that, that didn't, you take that out of the equation. I think for me, I'm probably deferring from college or just not going. Um, and you know, one thing I would do is try and surround myself with peers my age. Uh, and then I would probably try and pick something to learn at a lower price point. Um, meaning like looking at an online class on e-commerce or something and being like, hmm, maybe I'll start like a t-shirt brand or something like that. I would just try and create a project that's, that's hard to do and that I'd have to learn something, but learn it in like a hands-on fashion. So like or just watch some YouTube videos on how to do it and then try it. Um, that's probably like where I would start, at least saying I'll defer for a year and just see how this year goes. Because I just think the experience of college is what made it valuable to me. It's what, when I look back on it now, I'd say like that was worth the money was because I lived in a new city with, a, with hundreds and thousands of kids my age who were all experiencing the same thing who were all going through this new independence together, who all had to figure things out together. That was the amazing thing about college is the amount of new people you would meet every mm -hmm. single day. And it's the last time that you're surrounded with that quantity of people your age. Unless you go to, you know, grad school or, you know, like you go through. But for me, that was the last time that I was surrounded by that many people my age who are all going through the exact same experience. Yeah, and I would also defer right now. And I think similar to you, I would try and find a group of people to live in a house or in a neighborhood in an area close to other young people like a Brooklyn or another, maybe like a smaller American city. But I think I would definitely go to a city so that I could have access mm -hmm. to a lot of other young people. So there's this concept um, plus minus equal. And it basically says like in any setting, you should find someone uh, who becomes your mentor, meaning plus, like someone who's above you, who's already done the thing that you want to do, or is, you know, just older than you who can mentor you, more experienced, uh, minus someone that you mentor, uh, and then equal, like a peer that you're going through the same experience with. I actually think that's really fantastic advice. When I look at my college, I had that situation. Um, and it was super helpful. I worked at a local high school as a high school lacrosse coach. So there's a crop of high school kids that I was like essentially mentoring outside of being a coach. I also had a relationship with them as just like, was it like to be a high school student? So I was able as someone with more experience to help them through that. Um, I was on the lacrosse team. So there were seniors who mentored me, uh, you know, about like kind of the experience of being in college and like they then went off and there was alumni from our, you know, lacrosse team that really mentored us. And then, you know, I had my peers that were all going through the same experience and I had friends in my film school with me and friends on the team with me. So I think that situation is really important to replicate. And that's the thing that's really interesting about school is you have people who are older than you, younger than you, and people who are in the same And it's really experience. easy to replicate that. Yeah. There are so many opportunities to get involved in so many different clubs, organizations, things in your town like you with the lacrosse right. team that you coached. 
Uh, and they're just right there in front of you. And the connections are so easily made. So that's really when I look at a gap year, that's where I think I would have to put a lot of emphasis on really putting myself out there to make sure that those things happen. Do I have a mentor? Am I reaching out to enough people that are above me in industries I'd be interested in getting involved with them? Here's the thing that's interesting. People in our age range now, and specifically in our industry, let's talk about the creator industry. How much do how much does a college degree matter in our industry? Like even you and I, as we continue to grow our media company and work in this space, when we're hiring, I don't think I've ever looked at where someone went to school when we've brought someone onto a project or hired them. When I look at myself specifically, my college degree does not matter at all. But the time that I spent in college, which ultimately led me to the decision to want to pick up a camera, which had to do with my experience in college. What do you That's think? fundamental to yeah. me being where I am now. But the accreditation, the certification, my degree, no, not at all. So what do you think, uh, like the skill set even that someone loses out on who now doesn't get the college experience that we had? Like to me, it's the people skills. It's just like the communication, the collaboration skills, the like dynamics of, of conflict and problem solving with other people. It's just like being around a ton of people. Because when you come and work at a company, you're just like dealing with people. Yeah, those situations are accelerated, like problem solving yeah. with other people, whether it's for a class or a lot of times just with the social dynamics of living next to and around a lot of people. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm, I'm accelerated at eight, 18 years old at UC Santa Cruz. We lived in uh, freshman apartments that were, um, you know, not, it wasn't just like guys in my apartment. I had, it was three guys and two girls in a space significantly smaller than this studio. Uh, we had one bathroom and we had a kitchen. So you have five people, you know, of guys and girls living in an apartment together. And when you're 18 years old, immediately you're, you're put into a situation where everyone has a different personality. You're all strangers. You meet for the first time on day one. And then it's just like, all right, now we all live together. So I think those dynamics are what prepared me to work with people which is like any company that you're in, you have to have those people skills. And so I think those situations are what you really lose out on, like the learning of those situations. And I think that's, that's why when we look at a gap year, both of us are very inclined to live in a house with other people. Because yeah. my sophomore year of college, I lived in a, in a house with dynamics like that. And I learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I 100% would want to try and recreate that type of situation. Totally. So now there's a lot of online learning options now too. Like I think you have to separate college into experience and learning. You know, I think you have to really look at those two things and say, okay, there's the experiential aspect. And again, the crazy thing is the experiential aspect is probably, you could probably achieve the experiential aspect at a way cheaper price than college charges you for that. And then the learning you definitely can achieve at a way cheaper price. Than Especially because now the learning looks a lot similar to the other online learning experiences that are out there. But these universities just have less experience providing that type right. of education. They're not like video studios that no. are like, oh, we can make really engaging video content online for 18 to 24-year-old kids. Very quickly, we can just turn around yeah. and that's what we Turn do into now. content studios, yeah. which is now why I think content studios... And tech companies have opportunities to step into education, which is what Google's doing. 
Google launched Google U. And immediately, like, you know, you are able to compete with Harvard and Stanford um, if you can make better edutainment, I'll call it. Like educational entertainment. Yeah, and if you're unfamiliar uh, about Google U, it's six-month courses across four different disciplines. And those courses are provided on the platform Coursera, which I don't know much about. But there's six-month courses in four different disciplines, and those four disciplines uh, are job markets that Google has taken data and analytics on and has shown that those four job markets will continue to grow throughout like 2023. Now, that's really interesting because it's like directly tied to your ability to get a job. And the accreditation is from a brand like Google, which is respected, at a much lower price point. So I think that's really what the future of education could look like, like lower price points, more direct discipline, like more direct training, like a, like a, like a trade school, but still having a relatively respected brand because big tech are the ones facilitating it and they have pretty good brands. So here's the question now, could Shopify create a certification in e-commerce? Totally. Right? Could Amazon create a certification? Of course. You know, and like, could um, Spotify, Facebook create a, a certification in marketing? Spotify podcasts, so, like so production what, and marketing. So what if you're 18 years old and you take the six month long Facebook marketing course and you become, you know, the ins and outs of Facebook marketing. That's a real job that tons of companies need. You've already qualified now. You're like, now I know the ins and outs of Facebook marketing. You could also like, of course, Facebook can create a certification course. But there's also tons of online courses you could just take and be like, hey, I'm really good at Facebook marketing. <laughs> you know, and now you're yeah. competing with someone who went to a four-year college who maybe doesn't have hands-on experience using the Facebook backend to create a marketing campaign. I think and- the, the good thing about college is that I was able to try a whole bunch of different types of things uh, and courses and disciplines and see, do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? The interesting thing is, if I took myself out of college and paid for a few different types of online certifications, those attempts and those tries, even if I was not excited about becoming a Facebook marketer, at least I've taken the Facebook marketing course and now I have that accreditation. Like all the things you try in that setting can lead to a job. Yeah, I mean, college, when I found out I wasn't interested in, I don't know, anthropology, but I already took three or four classes. That doesn't lead. That doesn't get me anywhere, right? Yeah. College um, right now, the the way the curriculum is laid out was built for a non-internet world. That's the reality, right? College was built for a world where you couldn't carve out your own niche online, or there wasn't hundreds of different like jobs that you could that emerge on a daily basis that have never been created before. So everything's just moving too fast. College was there to help you learn, you know, certain skills that applied to the job market of the 50s. Mm-hmm. And we're still doing that. So like And yet <laughs> let's take an example like TikTok. TikTok has drastically changed the influencer marketing space, the social media space. Yeah. And it's grown immensely in 2 years. What college in the world can keep up with that type of pace of like industry growth when new things can come 
seemingly out of nowhere. Right. And now who's qualified to run the TikTok of some Fortune 500 company or something like that? Like, Where's the school for that? Yeah. Most likely that school is going to take place online, built by online creators because they can move fast enough. They spend their time in the space. Yeah. And they're respected. They're tried and tested. Like they are, these creators are the new professors. Yeah, and I think this opens so, like the, the reality is the takeaway here for creators, um, just to make it really clear, abundantly clear, is that there's a huge opportunity to step into the education market as a content creator because all education is now content. It's video content. So if you have a skill set and you can teach it and you can make engaging video to teach it, you all of a sudden have a whole new business on your hands. And you you probably, to be honest, are better at making online courses than some of the top universities out there. And this applies directly to, you know, an opportunity that we saw earlier this year. And we that's why we went into online courses and we launched our first storytelling course. Um, again, I think like if you asked friends of mine or peers or teachers, if when I was in high school that I would eventually teach my own course I think they would be like, what? Like, you're, you're not a great student. Like, you're not into school. But now I've like, you know, we've paved the path and developed our own skill set and carved out our own niche on the internet. And now we can teach people the, the fundamentals of how we got here, uh, you know, in, in our online storytelling class. And that's going to happen more and more and more and more. Um, and again, even if you don't know who we are, we're, we, if you handed us curriculum, we probably could develop better online education than you know, professors. Yeah, because we know what it means to teach through video, yeah. to explain things through video. And professors just aren't equipped with that skill set. Yeah, and I'd rather, like, it, it, I'd rather hire someone, like on, on YouTube, I'd rather hire someone who went through Mr. Beast's editing course than someone who went to the NYU Tisch Film School. Yeah, 100%. Right? So like that's that's the they're reality. totally different disciplines. They're different disciplines, and like yes, that I'm not sitting here and saying that like NYU Tisch Film School is like not valuable. I I can't say that because it's super valuable for for if you want to do that thing. But if you want to come, you know, work for us, and I think this is going to happen across the board with millennials who start their own companies and are in positions of power and are in hiring positions, probably just gets less and less important where you went to school. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, and and what's the takeaway for um, educational like institutions or professors? I think educational institutions should partner with creators, like the same way you get the Charlie D'Amelio Dunkin' Donuts collab. Can we get a NYU Casey Neistat collab? That would be dope. I think across the board we're going to see educational institutions find ways to scale their product because now that their product is remote, a lot more people could be taking their courses at a lower price point. It's almost like if you look at all of these colleges have continuing education where you can take a one-off course. What does it look like now when you can take a one-off course, but you don't need to be on that campus? You could market to people in Hawaii and all over the world. So Harvard can have, if Harvard actually commits to getting good at, remote education and online video, which they probably should, they can then scale that brand and that product of a Harvard course, a Harvard certificate all over the world at a lower price point. Everyone's in the content business, man. Everyone's in the content business. It is a universal skill set. 
to be able to tell stories through video. Like that's one thing I would recommend for students who maybe are taking a gap year. If you're not familiar with creating through video, start, just start small. Start on TikTok, like just start to learn what it means to storytell through video because it will help you, I think, no matter what career path you go down, whether you end up making video or not, like just practicing that muscle of storytelling and communicating is so important. I totally agree. And everyone, no matter what, is in the storytelling business and the content business now. Like no matter what product you sell, you have to be able to tell a story around it. And that's just such a seamless plug for our online storytelling course. So that link is in the description. Um, you can check out our online storytelling course if you want to see what we're like as professors. If you want to take a course from us, if you want to learn about storytelling, you can check that out in the description. Um, and there's also a code in the description that you can use for 10% off. A question for you. What was the weirdest college class you took? Social constructions of sexuality. Whoa, interesting. Great class. Wow. But very interesting. Interesting. I, I was going to say, I took a class called Overview of the Universe. Not as weird, but it was just like, it was one of those classes you're like, oh, that's going to be an easy class. And it was the hardest class. It, it was like calculations about like the speed of light and just like way too much for me. Like I was in over my skis. So I... I changed that to pass fail. I don't know if you had opportunities yeah, to do that. Yeah, yeah, you could do like one Loved course the pass fail, And you could do it like three and a half weeks into the course. Yeah. So I took the first test and I was like, nope, this is not a class I need to be graded on. I thought it was one that was going to like bump my GPA. I was like, overview of the universe. I could give you an overview of the universe. I was such a nerd though. I would, I would choose pass fail because I would be concerned about like getting a B and then I would get an A in the class anyway and they would just give me a pass. And I'm like, I didn't need to do that. Wow, that's crazy. I really wasn't great at school. Like I was just so stressed about it. I was never stressed. I didn't stress about grades in the least. I would only get stressed when like I would catch wind that there was like something due. And I was like, I don't even know what's due and like what we're talking about in this class. So I'd have to like rapidly source together some like resources and be like, what are we doing? Okay. All right. Let me figure this out. And let me like, I think that's why I love storytelling now. Yeah. Because I used to be so concerned with the A, B, and C, and storytelling is so much more dynamic. Mm. Like success in storytelling is, uh, there's like a, uh, it's all subjective. Yeah. I also took a class on the Beatles. That, that sounds was, cool. That was cool. We had, we had a couple of like music classes that were part of our film and digital media school. The Beatles was one of them and American pop music in the 40s. That was another great class. It's like really cool. That's cool. Classes that we got to take. Um, I actually think the most valuable class I took was accounting 101 and accounting 102. Two of the most valuable classes that I still use to this day. Like in reality, those are skills that I use in business. Those Man, were those were some of the best classes. There are so few skills from my classes that I use today. I think one of the most impactful moments was I stood up in front of a writing class and told a story about myself and like a vulnerable story. And that was one of the first times I'd ever done that. I was extremely nervous and it was on day two of the class. So I didn't know the other 20 other classmates in there and it was well received. Mm. And that was one of the most impactful things for me. It was like, okay, I can tell stories about myself. It brings people closer to me afterwards. Mm. They find it interesting. They want to come up and talk to me. Maybe I'll tell stories to an audience, but I wouldn't have had that opportunity. I don't think had I not gone to college. True. Final answer. Is college worth it in 2020? If I was paying for it, I don't think so. I think there's other ways to figure it out. Agreed. No.
but our storytelling course is. All right, see ya. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. Make sure to head over to the podcast channel on YouTube. Check out the video version of the episode that you just listened to, the other videos that are up on that channel, and give the channel a subscribe. Our goal is to get that channel to 10,000 subscribers. Feel free to give us feedback on the podcast and the podcast channel as we look to expand the show over the next few months. We're looking to be much more consistent and we're trying to find this middle ground of how this podcast can fit properly into the YouTube channel. Um, Anyway, we'll explain that more on on the next episode of this podcast, but um, check out the channel, give it a subscribe. It's an evolving process and we'd love for all of you to be a part of it. That's it and we'll see you back here for the next episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. Or we'll, we'll see you on the YouTube channel if you subscribe there. All right, just go subscribe. See ya.